1: Lock Talk Radio. Broadcasting live around the world, this is The Ryan Lindsay Show. Phone lines are open to speak with Ryan or any of his guests at 319 527 6702 or email Ryan. The email address is ryan at com. Now, here's Ryan Lindsay. And we've got a good one for you tonight on the Ryan Lindsay Show. Susan Shumsky will be my guest. We're going to talk about ghosts. It's a few days after Halloween here, but uh, we're going to talk about ghosts. That should be fun. So, uh... Join us uh, with the conversation. If you'd like to uh, call in, then please do. 319-527-6702 is the number to call if you have questions about uh, about ghosts tonight. Uh, coming up the next few days on the show, no show on Monday. We normally do shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but uh, no show on Monday of next week. On uh, Wednesday the 18th, Patricia Payton will uh, will be my guest. We'll talk about physical intelligence And then Pam Barash on Friday the 20th, Activating Your Soul Abundance. That's coming up on Friday. So a lot of good shows on the way for you. Hope you can join us for all of them. Take a look at RyanLindsayShow.com for information on guests past, present, and future. And uh, you can get all the information there and including to uh, sign up for uh, for the newsletter as well. Let's move on to our guest for tonight. Susan Shumsky has uh, dedicated her life to helping people take command of their lives in highly effective, powerful, positive ways. She is a foremost spirituality expert, highly acclaimed and greatly respected professional speaker, sought-after media guest, a new thought minister, and doctor of divinity. A pioneer in the field of personal development, Susan has a foremost authority in spirituality, meditation, intuition, and prayer. She's written 18 books in English and 35 foreign editions that teach her own unique forms of meditation, prayer, and spiritual healing. Very glad to welcome Susan Shumsky to the show. Susan, how are you?
0: Um, Just so glad to be here with you tonight, Ryan.
1: Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Absolutely. Now, it's it's a few days after Halloween, but still an appropriate time to talk about ghosts, I think, don't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Anytime's a good time to talk about ghosts.
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. Now, you say you're a ghost buster. What exactly does that mean?
0: More of like a ghost whisperer. Uh, A ghost buster, yeah, because what I do uh, whenever I request it or else when I notice that there are ghosts present, and by the way, they're present really in a lot of places, and they are present around a lot of people. And when I encounter an earthbound spirit, someone who's stuck, someone who needs to move on, who needs to go on on into the light, I heal that soul and help it to move on into what what most people call heaven. Uh, I call it the spiritual plane or the spiritual world, spiritual realm. So, uh, yeah, these earthbound spirits need to move on. They need to... After they, they die, they shouldn't be stuck. They need to move on into the light.
1: Mm-hmm. Now tell me your story. When did you realize that uh, you were a ghost whisperer that you could see and hear uh, people who had passed away?
0: Well, I really learned it. I mean, it's not like I had some great gift or something. Um, I've <laughs> done a lot of spiritual spiritual work. I've actually practiced meditation since 1970. And I have uh, been in spiritual studies for a long time. I spent two decades in the ashrams of a spiritual master from India, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who was the guru of the Beatles. So I did it all through study. It's not like, you know, uh, it's not like I, I had some fantastic powers or something. Anyone actually can learn. I can develop intuition. Intuition is a learnable, teachable skill that anyone can learn, just like playing the piano or like learning a foreign language. Uh, We all have the capacity to develop our clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient abilities, and then learning how to heal the, the entities or send them into the light. It's really just a matter of learning a few words or just speaking really from your heart to send them on into the light.
1: So, so this was through meditation basically that you're able to see and, and speak with, uh, with spirits, with ghosts.
0: Uh, Yes. So the thing is that um, I've developed the capacity to uh, be clairvoyant, clairaudient and clairsentient to have these, what some people might call superpowers, but they're really natural. Everybody has, that ability. For example, when, when anyone walks into a room, say a party, and they meet people for the first time, and you can just sense certain energies from certain people. You might feel like one person's really uptight, another person's really outgoing, some are really warm and friendly, some are really cold, some are really scared and timid, and we, we can read people. I mean, everyone can do that. And also, when, when you walk into a building, you might get a really creepy vibration when you walk into some buildings, other buildings, you feel uplifted, you feel inspired. Uh, Some people's homes, you walk into the home and you think, wow, the energy here is really bad energy. Have they been arguing? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just natural. People have this naturally. And really developing it is just basically focusing on it and practicing. It takes practice, just like I said, like playing the piano, or like learning foreign language, practice, 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 and you get better at
1: it. Uh, I spent 15 years as a police officer, and I end up telling this story just about on every show um, lately. Um, but uh, with with intuition, I mean, in the academy, they actually they actually, I guess they could you could say taught us basically that when you get that feeling when you're talking with somebody, or you're in a room, or you're in a dark place, or something. And the hair stands up on the back of your neck, or it stands up on your arms. You get goose pimples or something. You need to listen to that because that's your intuition. Yeah. That's telling you something that that's that's going on. I mean, that's like you said, it's it's a learned a learned skill.
0: It is. It's a skill. Anyone can become psychic. Anyone can become intuitive. You you can learn how to do that, and that's what I did. I had a lot of education in these matters uh, younger in my life, you know. Um, Like I said, I spent two decades in in various ashrams that um, were part of the organization of my really very famous guru. And then after that, I spent time studying with some wonderful mentors in San Diego who really helped me to develop this ability to listen within to be able to listen to the still small voice within to be able to communicate with divine beings and also even with earthbound spirits or any, any beings on any plane, really. It could be deities, it could be ascended masters, they could be ghosts, they could be your deceased loved ones, you know, anyone. You can communicate with them if you develop that ability through practice, practice, practice.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Do, have you found, do earthbound spirits always know that they're dead?
0: Uh, No, as a matter of fact, I've counted 15 reasons why a spirit would become earthbound. And one of those reasons is that they're unaware that they're dead. This in fact happened to my mother. She didn't know she was dead. when I went to visit her um, after she died. I went to visit her in the mortuary and she did not know she was dead. I had to actually walk up to her and <laughs> tell her oh. what was going on.
1: <laughs> and oh my. She, <laughs> she got
0: it finally and you know so then she was able to um move on but uh, yeah there's a, there's a movie about that called The Sixth Sense and Bruce Willis mm-hmm. played a character in that movie who didn't even know he was dead and this can happen. It actually is quite common. Uh There's many reasons why it happens some reasons are because of the person uh, was given a lot of drugs before they died and so they were in a they really were not very aware or very conscious when they died and because of that that can delay their ability to recognize that they're dead so that's that's one reason why they, they might not know that they're dead in the case of the Bruce Willis character in that film he had a very sudden death. He didn't realize he was dead because he was shot and he was not expecting to die. People who are lying you know, on, on their deathbed, they're expecting that they're going to die. But uh, if you have a sudden death, it can happen in war, but it could also happen just random, a person randomly being killed, being murdered. That can really delay them from being able to realize that they're dead.
1: Do spirits generally, um, do they haunt where they died or where they used to live, or, or how, does, how does that work?
0: Well, generally go into the light. They generally mm-hmm. don't haunt anywhere, and they're generally not earthbound. But spirits who do become earthbound, that's one of the reasons why they don't go into the light. And that would be that they're very attached to the earth plane or they're attached to certain living beings. They're attached to their relatives or someone that they love, for example. Or they're very attached to their possessions, including their home or their office or the place they worked or the theater where they were a, an actor. You know, There's many places that get haunted and they're, they're haunted by spirits who are Attached, you don't want to move on.
1: Are hospitals more haunted than than other places because more people have have died there?
0: Hospitals, yes, tend to be haunted. That's true. Uh, Hospitals are haunted, mental institutions are haunted, Uh, even uh, educational institutions in general are more haunted than, for example, private residences. Um, churches often are haunted. So um, you'll find hauntings in all different places, but usually they're in older places. You'll find more spirits haunting older uh, buildings that are older because they've been around longer Mm -hmm. and, and that have had a lot of people in them. In other words, institutions would have more hauntings than, like I said, private residences.
1: Okay. Talking with uh, Susan Shumsky about ghosts, she is a intuition and meditation expert and award-winning author. If you'd like to join us, then feel free, give a call 319-527-6702 if you have a question about ghosts. Maybe you have a ghost story that we'd be interested in hearing and uh, we do have a phone caller here. Let's go to area code 860. Hi, you're on the Ryan Lindsay show with Susan Shumsky. You have a question? Area code 860, go ahead. Okay, well, I guess they're not, uh, you they can't hear me or something. It must be a ghost. Uh, you know. It um, be a could ghost. be a ghost. <laughs> it could be. It could happen. So I suppose then if if hospitals uh, are haunted because people have died there, cemeteries then, usually figured to be a a very scary place. Cemeteries I would think would not be haunted or are they?
0: Well, yeah. Cemeteries are haunted. Of course. That's why people are scared or get creepy vibrations when they go to cemeteries. (laughs) But usually when I go to a cemetery, I feel a very peaceful vibration because most of the people who, who are in cemeteries have gone into the light. So it's, it's a peaceful vibration in cemeteries in general. Um, but it isn't that a ghost might haunt, um, yeah. And, and for example, battlefields like Gettysburg, for example, is notoriously haunted. Uh, you know, you're going to find ghosts hanging around battlefields because they had one of those sudden deaths. You know, and mm-hmm. you might even realize not realize that they're dead. You know, you can haunt a place. A spirit can haunt a place for. It hundreds of years even thousands of years
1: so what happens with with reincarnation do you do you become a ghost and then you're reincarnated or or how does how does that work
0: okay well let's just talk for a moment about the near-death experience i'm sure you've heard about the near-death experience because thousands of people have reported it by now it was a very uh, new thing back in like 1970s when people like Daniel Brinkley had their near-death experience. But now it's really become quite a commonplace uh, topic of conversation. People uh, have heard that when a person has a near-death experience, usually they will see a tunnel. uh, They'll see a light at the end of the tunnel. They might see their loved ones in the tunnel, ushering them into the light. They might go into the light. They might meet a divine being. When they get into the light, they might have a life review. They, they might see their life not only from their own perspective, but from a 360-degree perspective. They get to see it from all the people that they've ever encountered in their life and how they affected that person. They get to stand in their shoes. Uh, sometimes people with near-death experience have reported meeting meetings divine beings or, you know, like a council of beings or something like that. And then eventually they're told that their time is not up, that they, that if they, that they can choose, usually if they can choose to go on and uh, move into the light or they can go back to earth and continue if they wish because really their time is not up yet. So then they choose to come back and we hear about their, their story. So there are some beings who for one reason or another do not go into that light after death. And as I said, I've counted 15 reasons uh, why that happens. Now, if a person actually dies, they go into the light and they have some time to reflect upon their past, present and future. And then they make a plan and, uh, I do believe that there are divine beings on the other side who help them to make that plan as to what will be their next incarnation. And then they choose a time and a place and a womb to incarnate into. And they come back as the same soul comes back um, and they incarnate into their next body. And, so that is the slow road of evolution that most people follow.
1: Okay. What, what are some of the most interesting uh, ghost whispering stories that uh, that you've come across?
0: Well, I have to say that um, probably the most interesting story that I've come across is my own experience of being possessed by uh, oh. a, uh, by an entity when I was young and foolish and taking LSD and not knowing what I was doing. And as a result of that, I got possessed by an entity. It was a terrifying experience. Uh, I took the drug, and then I really never came down from it uh, for months. Strangely, I kept having LSD flashbacks. It it just didn't, it was like non-ending. And it was so horrible. I was hearing telepathic voices. I was, I was terrified of the experiences I was having because they were so unfamiliar. And when you're having a skewed kind of perception and you don't understand it, it was, and you're young, it was extremely terrifying. And, um, and being possessed was not fun. So I've experienced astral possession firsthand, and that was uh, just horrible.
1: Who, who possessed you?
0: A ghost or what? that uh, declared, um, I don't know how to die, and was screaming that over and over and over and terrifying the people that were around me. And also I was stomping on the floor, by the way. Not only screaming, but stomping.
1: And saying, I don't know how to die? Correct. Oh, my.
0: Yelling at oh my. the top of my lungs.
1: How did you finally get rid of this?
0: I finally got rid of all of those symptoms uh, through learning meditation. As soon as I learned how to meditate properly, uh, all of that went away, and I actually, for the very first time in my life, I felt something I'd never felt before, and that was happy happiness. Happiness was something I'd never experienced until I learned meditation.
1: Well, let's let's yeah, let's go there with meditation. How how do you Meditate. What what technique do you use specifically to make it work?
0: Well, when uh, when way back in 1967, I learned a method called transcendental meditation, which was my guru Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, was the founder of that form of meditation. It was really one of the first methods of meditation that came from India to the West when Maharishi first arrived. Uh, in America in 1959, there was no meditation, there was no mantra, there was no yoga. These concepts just didn't exist in the West. And within 10 years, Maharishi, with a little help from his friends, the Beatles, made (laughs) meditation into a, yeah, you got the pun, made meditation into a household word. And that was phenomenal. So I did practice that for over two decades, but then I learned another form of meditation that uh, now I call divine revelation. I wrote my first book was called Divine Revelation, and it teaches that method of meditation. Also, I have another book called Awaken Your Divine Intuition that's written more like a, um, like a seminar, a workshop, that book. And so step-by-step, step, this is how you do it, how to... So uh, I teach that form of meditation, and that's the, the form that I practice because I liked it better than transcendental meditation. So uh, I do teach that, and I do practice that.
1: So with divine revelation, then how how do you do you s- s- sit to lay down? How does that work?
0: Yeah, uh, meditation is done seated rather than lying down. It's better to to meditate in a seated position because when you lie down, you just tend to go to sleep naturally. So uh, it's better to be seated as you meditate and to um, close your eyes when you do that and you're going to be getting into a relaxed state of mind. And the way that I do it uh, and and the way that I teach it is really based upon one principle and that is ask and it shall be given unto you. Everything I teach is based upon that. Even sending the the entities into the light is based upon that principle. So it's a matter of asking and receiving. So it's a matter of, for example, calling upon a divine being that you feel comfortable with, whether that's a deity, an angel, an archangel, or ascended master, or other divine being. Call upon a divine being to help you, first of all, to go into meditation and to affirm that you are uh, in control and that you are the only authority in your life, and and then to uh, ask to, to go deep and to take some deep breaths, because deep breaths are going to take you into the deep state of meditation. Deep breaths are very, very helpful for going into meditation. The deep breaths are not for the purpose of, uh, uh, some people say, um, think about your breath or Focus on your breath. that's Focus not. What I'm, talking breath. About. I'm, I'm Yeah, no, that's not a method of meditation that's effective. That does not work. What works is taking really deep breaths and letting go, relaxing in between the taking of the deep breaths and, and then breathing naturally and normally after you take a few deep breaths and then asking, uh, getting, getting into a deep state of meditation. When you're in that deep state of meditation, getting quiet and still and peaceful, and once you're there, once you're in that state of unbounded awareness or deep peace, inner peace, then you do something that people don't normally do during meditation, and that is to ask. Like I said, ask and it shall be given unto you. So asking a question, asking for guidance, asking for inspiration, asking To experience, to have a specific experience during meditation, such as um, inner peace or great joy or healing, whatever it is that you wish to ask for, ask for that. And then take another big deep breath and then do what I call the do nothing program. That means do nothing, nothing and less than nothing. And then you will receive. You'll receive the experience or you'll receive the answer to your question. If you're going to ask a question, you might ask a question about a specific problem you're having. You'll receive the answer when you allow, when you do the do-nothing program. So that's basically what divine revelation is. It's about asking and receiving.
1: Okay. What do you do when when you, you start to meditate and you get yourself quiet and... Mm -hmm. And random thoughts pop into your head. Do you go with those random Mm -hmm. thoughts until they they flow away, or do you get rid of them and clear your mind? Mm -hmm.
0: First of all, clearing your mind is not not an effective practice. The mind cannot be cleared uh, by effort, (laughs) by trying, by concentrating, by saying I'm... uh, that's not, and, and by the way, clearing your mind is not a goal of meditation. There's no necessary, it's not necessary to, quote, unquote, clear your mind. What's necessary is to get into a deeply relaxed state. And that starts with being comfortable, sitting in a comfortable chair or, or sitting on a comfortable bed with pillows or just any way that you really feel comfortable. Comfort is the most important feature of meditation. And then taking the deep breaths will allow your mind to settle down, just naturally. When you take really deep breaths, you take a few in a row, you're going to become quieter and more peaceful. Thoughts are going to come and go. It doesn't matter if thoughts are coming and going. Uh, You will be able to engage your mind more, though, when you do what I suggested, which is ask. When you ask when you have a dialogue going on with spirit when you start to have conversations with your higher self and you begin to to speak with ask talk to a divine being or deity or your higher self whatever you want to call it then the mind is going to be engaged with that so it's really no it's not like you're going to be like other thoughts are going to be coming in because you're you're having a conversation
1: Mm-hmm. Should you should you should you be seeing colors? Should you be seeing the, these entities, or, or is that does that mean you're doing it right?
0: Okay, so there's no shoulds in meditation. Uh, there's <laughs> okay. no I have to have this kind of experience in meditation. There's no um, there's no I have to be clairvoyant, or I have to be clairaudient, or I have to be clairsentient. We all naturally are one of these senses or Most people are more clairsentient. Less people are more clairvoyant. And even less people are clairaudient. So most people are just going to have feelings. Feelings. Clairsentient means feelings. So you'll feel peace, for example. You'll feel love. You'll feel comfort. You'll feel security. You'll feel happiness. Yes, you're doing it right when you're feeling those things that I just mentioned. And some people might see or some people might hear. You know, you might get some messages that are words that are fed into your mind. So you're hearing words or you might see visions. That's fine. Uh, but none of that matters. What matters is the experience of deep relaxation and inner peace. That is your benchmark for successful meditation.
1: What are some myths of, of meditation?
0: Well, I, we've already covered a few of them.
1: Uh, we have, <laughs> um, we people, have people <laughs>
0: think, people think that they have to concentrate. People think they have to clear their mind. People think they have to strain. People think that, uh, that they have to sit rigid with their spine erect, uh, people think, oh, there's just so many myths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the reality is meditation is about just experiencing peace, experiencing deep relaxation and releasing all the stress and the tension and the worry that people are experiencing, especially now these days, so much stress, financial worries, worries about getting sick, all these things. So meditation can help us to get back into a state of being centered, a state of feeling whole again. So I think it's really important. I think the most vital skill that everybody needs to learn at this time is meditation. And the second most vital skill is intuition because we don't know what the future holds. We need to develop our intuition so that we'll be able to make decisions, the right decisions with peaceful confidence, knowing that our intuition is guiding us to our highest good.
1: Sure. Uh, once again, folks, talking with Susan Chumsky, Uh she is an intuition and meditation expert. We started off talking about ghosts, and if you have a, a ghost story or maybe there's a ghost connected to you or something, then give a call, 319-527-6702, if you have a certain story, uh, talk with Susan Shumsky about it. Now, you you said that you've been possessed in the past. Are there... Certain times when we're more susceptible to possession.
0: Uh, yes. Certain people are more susceptible to possession, and also there's certain situations in which people are more susceptible to possession. <clears throat> For example, someone who's mentally ill or depressed, or unduly angry, or uh, even if they're feeling out of control. Um, also, people who are dependent on drugs, alcohol, or other addictions are very susceptible to possession because first-bound spirits who are addicts uh, will tend to go after uh, a person who is an addict so that they can continue their addiction after death because their addiction doesn't disappear after they're dead. Uh, no. You still have a mind. You're still thinking. You're still completely conscious after death. Nothing really happens when you die. You're still awake, awake aware, and you might—that's why you might not know you're dead. But those who are addicts, they have a, a, a special need that they want to fulfill. So, so people who are already addicts are really susceptible to having a possession, to some, someone coming and attach themselves to. Your body to use your body to continue their addiction. Also, people who meditate too much, too long, and who are overly subjective—if they don't, if they're not active, if they don't do enough activity—they can be susceptible to possession. People who are like uh, energy sponges, psychic sponge, uh, somebody who. Uh, Absorbs energies around them as a sponge absorbs water. Uh, people who are channelers or spiritual spirit mediums, if they leave their auras open and they don't know how to close their auras off, they can become uh, possessed. People who frequent psychic spirit spirit mediums or channelers, uh, they can also become possessed. Um, Also, people who experiment with the occult without proper guidance. That's why people say that Ouija boards are dangerous because the person doesn't know how to heal, how to keep their aura closed off, how to be clear with receiving guidance. There's nothing inherently evil or wrong with a planchette or a Ouija board. It's just the person uh, using it, being inexperienced and naïve, They can get possessed that way. And there have been terrible instances of that sort of thing happening. Um, Also, uh, people who astral travel, who seek out-of-body experiences. That's one great way to get possessed because when you're leaving your body unattended, something else can jump into it. People who are lethargic or directionless or physically ill, unconscious, comatose, People who are under anesthesia in a hospital, uh, also practitioners of black witchcraft, or those controlled by black witchcraft, can be possessed. So those are the those those are the people most susceptible to entity possession or entity influence.
1: How then do these entities get out? Have you ever done a uh, um, uh, what's it called
0: exorcism? Exorcism. Exorcism. <laughs> yeah: Yes, um, The reality is that I heal — I do a lot of those all the time, because most of the ghosts that I encounter, most of the earthbound spirits I encounter, are either influencing, oppressing or possessing human beings. Uh, most hauntings, they're not haunting places, they're haunting people, And they're, uh, and they're attached to people. So, uh, yes, it's entirely possible to heal these uh, spirits and to send them into the light. And really, it's it's so easy to do. I'll I'll just give you an example of a prayer that I might say to help that entity move into the light. You just speak to them lovingly. You speak to them directly. Uh, So you just say, dear one, you are healed and forgiven you are unified in love you are united with the truth of your being you are filled and surrounded with divine love with divine light with divine truth you are free from fear you are free from pain you are free from this earthly vibration you're free to move on to go into the into your perfect place of expression you are blessed forgiven and released into the Love, light, and wholeness of universal spirit. You are lifted into the light of God. Go now in peace. Go now in love. So really just by speaking lovingly to that entity directly, you can send them into the light. And there's always some entity within earth within, uh, ear um, shots. There's always an entity around uh, somewhere that needs healing. And so any time you do a prayer like that, you'll be able to heal the person who is possessed or oppressed, and you're also healing the entity. Many people who are mentally ill have entity possessions, by the way. Really? Yes. That is the number one reason for, for for acute mental illness.
1: So how how do we get those? Do you do the same prayer with with a mentally yes. ill person then who's possessed?
0: Yes. Now the thing is that with mental illness, it's difficult simply because they are so open. Their auras are so open that they that they're continually attracting entities. But uh, if the person can Do the prayer themselves and heal themselves. That is the best route for them to find a way out of that hell. So teaching the person how to heal, just giving them a little prayer to help them to heal, they can make tremendous progress. If they use that prayer and also use a prayer for self-authority, such as this one, I am in control. I am the only authority in my life. I am divinely protected by the light of my being. I close off my aura and body of light to the lower astral levels of mind, and I open to the spiritual world. Thank you, God. And so it is. So using that affirmation, along with speaking lovingly to the entity and sending them into the light, uh, doing it yourself is the best way to do it because mm-hmm. it's because <laughs> once you know how to do it, you can keep doing it.
1: <laughs> sure. You you don't have to look very long on, on TV nowadays to find some kind of paranormal show or some kind of ghost hunting show, Um, you know, where they're getting EVPs or, or ghost chatter or something. Do you, do you buy any of those shows? Any of them realistic to you? as a professional?
0: Okay. So, uh, yes, you can get those EVPs they're talking about. Yes, that's true. It's all true. What I don't Mm -hmm. like about the shows is that they're capitalizing on tortured souls who really need to be healed. If if the show showed, for example, Ghost Whisperer, I liked that show, at least in the beginning, the first season or two, because it was uh, it wasn't a documentary. It was a you know it was a drama, but the, at least on that show, she was sending them into the light. <laughs> at, the, at the end of every one of those shows, she actually was healing mm-hmm. the entity and sending them into the light. So I liked mm-hmm. that theme. It was great. I mean, Jameson Prague is the one who actually uh, founded that show with his baby. It was his idea, but then in later seasons, they. they It is a something that wasn't scary enough. It wasn't ghosty enough. It wasn't like a Halloween ghost story. So they so then they manufactured all kinds of dumb things later, later on later seasons. It was just stupid. But in the beginning, (laughs) the whole premise, the whole premise of let's send the ghost into the light. Perfect. That's that's great. It's the best way to deal with these earthbound
1: spirits. Do you find that any don't want to go into the light?
0: Yes, they just want to stick you, around? They have th- free will. Uh, mm-hmm. We have free will now while we're on earth, and we, we don't lose our free will after death. We still can make choices at any time. And even though you may try to persuade uh, it being to go into the light, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will go. And, you know. But at least you can tell them to leave somebody alone, even if they're not willing to go into the light. But the best thing is obviously send them into the light if they're willing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, talking with Dr. Susan Chomsky, intuition and meditation expert, talking about ghosts and meditation and the connection between uh, ghosts and meditation. If, if somebody has a, a ghost connected to them, um, how, how would we know that?
0: Well, uh, yeah, Uh, a person might be uh, possessed. If they're possessed, then then they're going to be acting very – possession is the worst. Okay, so first there's influence. Second, there's oppression. Third, there's possession. If the person is truly possessed, they will be acting very strange or they will be – they might be an addict They might be a person who's exceedingly depressed or is mentally ill. Uh, Or if you feel the presence of astral entities, obviously, um, you know that there's something going on there. But often it'll be just like you feel a very dense or heavy or negative vibration or you get kind of a creepy feeling, a kind of creepy crawlies, you know. Like you were talking Mm -hmm. about the creepy crawlies, really, which when you were in your... Police training. Sure. Uh, if, you see, if you see clairvoyantly, if you see a black energy or a black aura uh, around or near a person, if a person is mentally ill or suicidal or displays bizarre kind of behavior, if a person is receiving negative telepathic messages or unpleasant voices or hallucinations, um, if a person is depressed or has bad health, um, excessive fatigue or lethargy, um, that can that can be possession. It has to be you know pretty extreme uh, fatigue or lethargy. Uh, if a person's unusually angry or bad tempered, uh, if a person awakens from a nightmare or a bad dream, often. That indicates that there were entities present. A child who has a temper tantrum. Uh, if a person is addicted to drugs or alcohol or other substances. If a person suddenly speaks with a different voice or dialect or accent. If a person has a sudden change in character or something like multiple personalities. Uh, if a person under psychic attack. Or if unusually mischievous or negative things happen, that may indicate like poltergeist activity where just strange things are happening, a lot of bad luck happening, series of misfortunes, that sort of thing. So any of those things I just mentioned could indicate that there is either influence, oppression, or actual possession.
1: Okay. Susan, how do uh, how do folks learn more about you and find out more about uh, divine intervention and your books and so forth?
0: Yeah. So, um, I have a website drsusan.org. That's
1: drsusan.org.
0: And I have another website divinetravels.com. That's plural on the travels. That's d i v i n e t r a v e l s. Um, dot com. so uh, divinetravels.com or drsusan.org
1: okay excellent Dr. Susan Shumsky this has been a lot of fun thank you for ans- ans- uh, answering all of my uh, ridiculous questions <laughs>
0: those are fantastic questions they weren't ridiculous
1: at all <laughs> I really enjoyed
0: speaking with you Ryan
1: I did too It's very wonderful you have a good night okay
0: you too and enjoy
1: Thank you, Susan. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks, Uh, Dr. Susan Shumsky about ghosts and meditation and a lot of myths with meditation that, uh, like she said, you you don't necessarily have to sit like that. You don't have to sit with your back rigid and straight until it hurts. You don't have to sit with your your feet above your knees (laughs) in those weird positions that you see people meditating at. She said, be comfortable. It's supposed to be a pleasant experience. Be comfortable. So, uh, coming up on the show, uh, let's see. No show on Monday. Uh, Wednesday, we do the shows around here Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Wednesday, Patricia Payton will be my guest. We'll talk about physical intelligence. And then Friday, Pam Barash will talk about activating your soul abundance. Frank Joseph on Monday, the 23rd, Ancient Mysteries of History. Ancient High Tech. That's coming up on Monday, November 23rd. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll talk next time. Been listening to The Ryan Lindsay Show. Visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information.